Hello. You're on with Nick and Fiona. And the Oscar goes to... Hello and welcome to a special Oscars edition of The Playlist. I'm Fiona Williams and I'm joined by my co-host Nick Bassine. Hello. And special guest star Dan Barrett. Uh, it's a pleasure to be invited. What have we got in store today, Nick? Well, we have just finished watching the Oscars. Um, Moments ago. We're all, I mean, clearly very emotional. So um, we'll try not to let that get in the way of uh, proper um, show business analysis. I'm just very tired more than anything else. It was a long term. It was very longer than longer than last year. It felt long. Went about an hour over as long as it was supposed to. I think it was because of a lot of montages, right? There were a lot of montages and there was a running joke about Speeches are long, keep your speeches short. You'll win a jet ski if you get the shortest speech. That was a running gag. I feel there were only really two montages. So you had the in memoriam, which, you know, I guess it's technically a montage. But then you had the celebration of cinema. And I couldn't understand the more specific theme on that. But that seems to keep on going on and on. I felt like there were a few of those. But the thing that felt like a real long montage was when they went to the cinema next door. And they spent about five minutes messing around in the theatre. Which oh, I don't know. That was more than a montage. Yeah. Yeah, like that felt like it took some time. Mm. That's a repeat of what they did last year, right? Or a similar. They do something like that every year. There was sort of the Ellen selfie. Then the next year, Ellen ordered pizza, and then there was I a think, tour bus. Yeah, they year. got the uh, tour group right. to come in yeah. and take selfies with the stars. Remember the classic Ryan Gosling meme with that lady. Very interesting that this year they didn't really specifically single out people from the audience to be part of it. There was the guy that read out the um, introductions to the next award yeah. coming through. But remember last year with that tour group that came through, the gentleman of whom was really becoming the focal point of that uh, evening, he'd just come out of prison a day or so beforehand. There was a lot of conversation around that. So I think they were just very careful this year not to really have an unplanned moment. Okay. I found it a bit weird. I don't want to be that person that comes across as overly sensitive to things. But particularly when you see inside... <laughs> getting, yeah. Too late. Okay, well, here we go. Um, I found it just a little bit strange. You had the hot dog gun, mm. which in fairness, I don't understand the point of hot dog guns generally. Uh, I've never wanted to receive a hot dog via gun. But also just like guns yeah. in a cinema, gun of any sort, just kind of felt a little bit weird. On a lot of levels, that was weird, especially coming after the an hour previous. There was a, we love movies, thank you for going to the movies. And then they cut into a movie. The people were watching a, a, an advanced screening of Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time. And they cut, like there was a clip of Oprah in the movie that they cut short to have Gal Gadot walk in with Army Hammer shooting hot dogs at people. <laughs> it's very unusual. <laughs> it's pretty funny to be talking about all the inclusion and diversity and then... Um in one of the, the movies that is championing all of that. <laughs> yes. To interrupt it. Yeah, directed by dogs. a woman. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Have a hot dog, everyone. That was pretty good. <laughs> I did like, there was a moment of sort of, I think, artistic triumph. It was kind of like a concept art piece where you had the filmmakers, like the entire artistic community of Hollywood, on a big cinema screen being seen within a cinema by the audience. And they were watching each other going backwards mm-hmm. and forwards. I find, found that fascinating. <laughs> but, you know, that was what I took away from it. The rest of it was just hot garbage. Sure. What are we what are we most happy about? Well, I love Frances McDormand's speech. If I may be so honored to have all the female nominees in every category stand with me in this room tonight. The actors, Meryl, if you do it, everybody else will. Come on. The filmmakers, the producers, the directors, the writers, the cinematographer, the the composers, the songwriters, the the the, the, the designers. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> <Ms. Boynton. laughs> 
That was a great speech, getting all the female nominees of all categories up on their feet and her saying, you know, if you've got a great idea, come and talk to us, but don't do it at the after party. Come and book a meeting in the morning. It was great. And the inclusion rider, I love that people now are probably Googling contract law. <laughs> so that's a nice consequence of, of an award ceremony. And there was, speaking montages, it was a really good one about diversity and inclusion with Kamal Nanjani saying... Um, yeah, that's right. You know, it's not that hard to watch a movie that's not specifically about you. I've been doing it all my life, so I'm not quoting it direct, uh, very well. But That was good. And the fiery, um, I like the fiery ladies montage. Yeah, there was some those good. Movies. That was pretty good. I, I enjoy that. It just, it just makes it long. Dan, what were you happy about? Uh, I think Jordan winning for Get Out. Yeah, that like was That nice. to me was definitely, I guess, maybe the absolute sort of peak. I don't usually like the musical performances that take place throughout it. But I really enjoyed seeing Sufjan Stevens up there. I really liked that song, and so that kind of popped for me in a way that I usually just hate those segments. Um, but I guess those are the two stand-up moments. It was a bit of a dull ceremony this year. I wasn't feeling it. I think, for me, there weren't a lot of surprises. I mean, the Jordan Peele winning Best Original Screenplay for Get Out, that was great. That was probably the one that I was really excited about. But the others kind of stuck to the script for me a little bit. So I wasn't genuinely surprised by any of the wins. No, I think I liked one or two jokes, but I, other than that, the Get Out win, I, I wasn't really happy about any of it. It was very much just regular Oscar ceremony. After last year's excitement and going in a new direction and made it seem like it's new and cool, it just it just did the same, what well, everyone thought it was going to do. I didn't like that one bit. Shape of Water is not the best movie in that yeah. group. Agreed. Uh, because I'm a negative Nancy, we've done the best moments. What about the worst moments? Nick, <laughs> what did you hate? I think I hated almost every award that was given to almost every movie. I felt I found myself just completely disagreeing and not enjoying the movies being awarded. No, I'm totally with you. So I was really wanting Phantom Thread to clean up because I just think that film that would have been wonderful. That was an achievement. Okay, but it didn't really seem to gather much traction. And we knew that in the weeks leading up to it. It just wasn't getting that sort of pre-awards buzz. It wasn't winning those Guild Awards in a way that usually indicate wins at the Academy Awards. And look, I'd even have been happy with Get Out getting a couple of the awards through there because it was a great film, but I don't think it was the best film. Phantom Threads to me was the best film. And they got people like Alice and Janney winning and pretty much Twitter just completely echoed my sentiment exactly, which I found heartening, which was that Janney is perfectly fine. I really like Alice and Janney, but like as far as that award went, like it really should have gone to Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Like that was a great performance and Metcalf needs to be recognized. There was a lot of that. There, I, Sam Rockwell is wonderful, but Willem Dafoe should have gotten mm. it. I just ended up feeling like that a lot. Yeah. I want to single out visual effects. So I think that was one of the big upsets of the evening for me, where you look at these technical awards, and usually it's a bit hard for people who aren't necessarily within that part of the industry to understand the nuances involved in both. But visual effects really stood out to me as a very specific major, I guess, loss in terms of an award. It went to Blade Runner 2049, which awesome that Roger Deakins won for cinematography, because mm. as far as I'm concerned, like that's the real triumph with that film. But they got visual effects, where to me, War for the Planet of the Apes... And look, I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan, so I'm going to be biased going into this. Noted. Plus the head of the special effects team is Dan Barrett as well. <laughs> okay. But putting that aside, like that's a film that was actually evolutionary. Each of those Planet of the Apes films were improving motion capture to a degree where 
I can't think of another film that has ever convinced me that special effects are a real living, breathing part of the film mm. that we're watching than that film has. We saw genuine performances coming out of computer-animated motion capture apes, yeah. which I just thought was phenomenal. I mean, the previous films were impressive, but like War for the Planet of the Apes like just stepped up that technology to a point where I couldn't tell the difference between a human and a ape performance. Mm. What about all those holograms? In Blade Runner. We've seen holograms Case before. Closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Obviously, the defense rests there. Um, but the thing is, like, we didn't see anything there we've never seen before. It's very well done. I mean, technically, like, you couldn't really fault it. But at the same time, there was just something about the evolutionary step of this motion capture, which, from what I understand, a lot of uh, visual effects people don't care for motion capture. And they also don't, uh, actors generally don't like the idea of actors being replaced by motion capture performances right. either. So that might be where they're losing some votes. <laughs> Bit of self preservation. Don't vote for something that. I think might so. Do That's why the Polar day. Express was shut up. <laughs> That's obviously it. <laughs> That's why. I really liked that A Fantastic Woman one. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. I picked that too on my tips. Speaking so, of which, nice segue. We made promises the last time we recorded this podcast about all of the money people would win because of how good our tips were. And I believe everyone's counting their yeah, money now. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. How did you guys fare? Mixed, I gotta say. Uh, happily, since we recorded our last episode, I did take the liberty of changing my vote for original screenplay and I went with my heart for Get Out. So I'm happy I did that. And I'm also happy for Jordan Peele. For best feature film? Best original screenplay. Okay. I did not tip Shape of Water. My pick for best picture was Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, and I will reiterate right. it wasn't because I wanted it to win. I just thought it would. But uh, I'm as indifferent about The Shape of Water as I am about Three Billboards. I would have liked anything else on the list to have won. Anything else. Anything <laughs> except Dunkirk. <laughs> Speaking of which, that won the sound categories and editing. And I'm happy for it to have won sound editing and film editing and I thought it would win mixing as well. But, you know, I think it's kind of ironic that a Christopher Nolan movie wins for sound mixing when he, of all people, dislikes dialogue so much. And you can't hear a goddamn thing <laughs> Tom Hardy says Let in the mix. Begin. Yes. How does he win for video editing, considering how hard it was to follow some of those fractured that timelines as well? Line. <laughs> Everything felt like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> Six Very weeks frustrating. Ago. Are you saying that Australia's national treasure, Lee Smith, shouldn't have won for best editing? Yes. Oh my he certainly God. should win for best speech. That was a very good speech. Uh, I'm an editor. I should be able to do this very quickly. Matthew McConaughey, awesome. Thank you. I worry that we're going back to the Oscars awarding the really interesting, I don't know, groundbreaking is such a overused strong term, but the really interesting new stuff that just relegated to best screenplay and then all the major awards are given to what everyone knows is going to win uh, what do you mean going back to because that's really always been the case not last year yeah last year's a bit of an aberration it's not like well, it was a trend I, but people we were all hoping that this we were headed towards on a new path an aberration in a good way yeah, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that for years and years, the Academy was a very specific voting block. But starting last year and expanded out this year, you are finding a lot more people of whom are being included into the voting Academy. So there is actually opportunities for new voices to be recognised, but clearly they're just not. It's more the consensus picks. No, those new voices are just as boring as the old voices. Seemingly. Yeah, fantastic. Everyone's awful, Nick. Nothing for Lady Bird. Nothing for Lady Bird, I'm afraid, no. 
I, a lot of people were saying that it's not that great a movie. It's just it's just nice and entertaining, which I, I guess I could see, but I, I thought it was something special. I'm part of that camp. I feel there's some really good performances in there, but it just kind of felt like a nice, warm movie. And, the, and one that came around at the exact right time, I think, for a lot of people to consider it as being maybe a little bit more, just elevating it beyond what I think the film really is. I think it's a really solid, like really good movie that has a burden now of people's expectations because it's been Oscar nominated. I do I think it's really good. But yeah, I don't I don't think it should take away from the film that people are going and expecting it to blow their minds. But yeah, it's a pity it didn't get anything at all. Uh, but mind you, it wasn't nominated for a lot of things. It was nominated for screenplay, director, both female acting categories, director and visual effects. best picture. Okay, the maybe not. Skin. Yeah, yeah. The pimply skin. I can't believe she was the first female director to be nominated in eight years. Well, I'm glad they did the eight that years. That is a because long I was... time. Yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> it's very notable all the time. I did appreciate a couple of nods back to Natalie Portman's excellent uh, Hear All the Male nominees speech yeah, back yeah, from the, Emma the uh, Emmys. Moment. That was very nice. Yeah, there were a couple of them actually. Yeah, Emma Stone did a Hero of the Four male directors and Greta Gerwig. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, which a lot of people had been disappointed by the fact they didn't really get nominated in that many categories. Mm. Uh, there was the win for Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. And that was kind of nice and just maybe worth noting that the uh, gentleman that won, James Ivory, yeah. the oldest winner. Oldest winner ever, yeah. new record. Um, 89 years old. Beautiful speech. That was, yeah, quite a marvellous speech. My rule number one for a screenwriter who adapts a novel is first thank the author, Andre Asiman, who wrote the story about first love and who's here tonight, a story familiar to most of us, whether we're straight or gay, or somewhere in between. We've all gone through first love, I hope, and come out the other side mostly intact. Though maybe not without the benefit of loving parents like the Perlmans in this film. James Ivory, which I'm not really that familiar with his filmography, but he's the Merchant Ivory, James Ivory. He's the Ivory in Merchant Ivory. Yeah, classic. Remains of the day. A Room with a View, one of my favourites. Yeah, it's a great movie. Mm. And now, an Oscar for adapted screenplay for Call Me By Your Name. Quite a career. It's also just getting to look at him. I mean, he's is surprising. I guess I was a little surprised about how much youth and uh, vigor and, and vigor was in that movie. Hmm. Um, and the shirt that he was wearing, which had a picture of uh, Timothy on there. Timothy Chalamet it was nice. Little illustration. Uh, best uh, score went to Shape of Water, and mm. I mean, who's going to remember the music from that movie? Yeah. Wasn't thrilled with that one. Wanted Phantom Thread. Yes. Um, yeah, Johnny Greengrass. Yeah. Even actually when the clip of... Greenwood. Um, Greenwood? Uh-oh. I said the same thing like about two hours ago. <laughs> Greenwood. Greengrass is the, the director. Paul. Yeah, from that band Radio Face. Radio Face. <laughs> um, I had a Johnny Greenwood gif all ready to go Aww. for that one. I was very disappointed. I'm sorry. Yeah. Another moment I did not care for was the terrible Star Wars bit, bringing up BB-8 and the joke that allegedly was a sex pest. No. I found the whole thing, it just sort of smacked of corporate synergies. So it was broadcast on ABC in the US, which is a TV network owned by Disney. Mm. So obviously there were two awards given out by the Disney crew with BB-8 out there. And yeah, it just all seemed very on the nose. No. It wasn't funny. Yeah, could live without that. I was sort of feeling sorry for poor old Mark Hamill being dragged around. 
I didn't feel like he wanted to be there that much. The contractual obligation yeah. to... I feel bad for 3PO. I mean, he's being replaced by BB-8 as the robot of choice. I mean, R2-D2 is not getting much of a look in either. Like, well, what's 3PO doing these days? Is he working as a seat filler out in the crowd? Well, he would have been a better one. He looks like an Oscar. That's exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of um, visual effects, wouldn't you say Star Wars has better effects? I think it's a big bombastic movie. I just don't think it really progressed the uh, the visual effects medium in a way that I feel that War of the Planet of the Apes did. Okay. It's very rare to get that passionate about a visual effects film, but there's just something about what they actually achieved with that movie that I think is very worthy of getting a gong. Uh, one moment I didn't care for when Jimmy Kimmel, there was a bit about Get Out and they had Lakeith Stanfield come out and do his... Oh, mo- his I did not get like out. that, Jimmy Kimmel. And it was in relation to having a long speech. No. Sorry. No. At least they gave the film screenplay after all that. But yeah, not I've got the feeling they wanted to incorporate him coming out on stage, but just the way that they actually engineered that, I think, was just really on the nose. Yeah. Mind you, he went back to his seat and tweeted, that was so, so weird. (laughs) And of course, we're talking about Star of Atlanta. Of course. Yeah, he's great in Atlanta. Part of the SBS family. That's right. Atlanta's on every Friday night on SBS (laughs) Viceland. Or you can stream it at SBS On Demand. Nice. Nice segue. Thanks. I'm a pro at this now. Shameless. It wouldn't be an Oscar ceremony without some notable omissions to the In Memoriam segment. Who do they leave out? Well, the ones that I could tell, uh, and is getting a bit of heat on Twitter now, Toby Hooper, director of the marvellous Texas Chainsaw Massacre and not really director of Poltergeist, but credited director of Poltergeist Mm. and many other films, uh, did not get a look in. Nor did Dorothy Malone, Oscar winner Dorothy Malone, who passed away uh, not very long ago, actually, was in The Big Sleep, um, Peyton Place and Written on the Wind, didn't get a look in. Um, Nor did Heather Menzies Uric, who uh, Louisa in The Sound of Music, who passed away about a month ago. Do we want to talk about that lady who tweeted at you? Do no. we want to? No. No, let's not get yeah. that. Well, what happened? Oh, that was just a stupid tweet that came through. Well, I noted it on Twitter and then I had a someone said, um, they can't possibly mention everyone in every category. The Sound of Music was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Menzi Zurek was mostly a TV actress. I, I dispute that. She was yeah, in Sound yeah. of Music and uh, it's the 90th Academy Awards. They're celebrating the legacy of movie going. I don't think you really can say Sound of Music was a long time ago. Get over it. <laughs> Yeah, ridiculous. The two omissions that sort of stood out to me, and look, I think there's a very good argument they don't need to be in there, but they just jumped out. Uh, Len Wein, who's the guy that created Wolverine. Hmm. And I sort of think about, because- com- A comic book writer? Yeah, but he created the characters of whom have since gone on to pretty much fund the entire Hollywood industry for the last 20 odd years. And Oscar nominated Logan. And Oscar nominated Logan, like mm. this year of all years. Right. I kind of think that maybe if you're going to have a, you know- based on the characters created by, they're worthy of being included into these. I certainly appreciate the argument against it, but I do think that movies are so heavily reliant on these characters now that someone like that probably should. And also, just because this is a bit dear to my heart, the great Adam West, who died this year. Oh, yes. yeah, of course. Yeah. But I- His film body of work, not particularly huge. Batman movie. But he is in the Batman movie. And as the host of SBS's <laughs> Batman Land, of which is often frequented by the both of you as well, I think They're we can coming. all agree that Adam West deserves to at least have I'm a sure there. they put TV stars in that memoriam montage, don't they? Well, like if the you big, have big significant TV credits in bo- across both, yeah. Yeah, if you've got a decent body of work. And certainly some of the, um, the behind-the-scenes people who've passed away, they work across both as well. So, right. Yeah, like yeah. there's a publicist there where I'm sure that he wasn't just publicizing movies throughout his career. Yeah, I'm not sure on where they draw the line, but it would have been nice to see Adam West. 
up there. West is best. Watching the In Memoriam, it shows how what a year this has been. A lot of the um, the people I would go, oh, did they only pass away this year? It felt like five years ago. Yeah, it's quite. That's the sort of the the great equalizer. It brings you back to earth, thinking, yeah. oh god, that was only nine months ago or something. Yeah, like George Romero was up there. Yeah, it kind I know. Of feels like that was years ago. But, I know. Yeah. Well, it's been um, one of the longest years of all time. I blame the occupant of the White House for that. <laughs> Do you think it's weird that? We were, there was so much wokeness going on with all the presenters and in every, not every speech, but, and then ultimately they just kind of delivered just a regular old show in terms of the awards that were given out. Well, just consider your best picture award winner. So it was a Mexican director, okay, featuring a film starring a fish. Like that's diverse right there. And very much about... (laughs) Um, How many other fish have been nominated, Nick? How many others? But no, I agree. I think there's a performative nature of a lot of the award giving where a lot of the awards were given to essentially the same expected people. Yeah. And I mean, The Shape of Water is an allegory of acceptance and, you know, Richard Jenkins' character is a closeted man in the 50s and 60s. And yeah, so like there's a lot in there that for diversity. Um, I just happen to think it's not the best film of the year. But, um, you know, on that front, yeah, it's a a fantasy about acceptance. Yeah, right. The thing that stood out at me throughout the entire awards were the way they kept on sidestepping the conversation while bringing it into the conversation about the awards mixed up last year where Faye Dunaway on the 50th anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde being released, um, her and Warren Basie had come out and she had read just the name of the movie rather than looking at who the talent was being presented. The way they dealt with it from a logistics standpoint is you notice that throughout the evening, the envelopes all had in very big writing <laughs> what the categories were. Could not have been bigger. Could not miss that at all. Uh, but also behind the scenes, you've always got the accountants from PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. And traditionally, they've usually got two people just standing behind the scenes, just making sure it's all going fine. We remember what happened last year where one of the accountants was taking some selfies yeah. and you know got very caught up in a Hollywoodness of it all. Did not have his mind on the job. Exactly. So the two accountants that were doing it last year, they were replaced this year. So the two replacements are Rick Rosas and Kimberly Borden. Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger was out there. <laughs> uh, she had a late career shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've also got a third PwC accountant uh-huh. out there now. And his role is to sit in the control room with the producers of the show. So just in case things reach that point, he can put the kibosh on it. With the second briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> I did appreciate every time it was brought up, they'd cut back to the producer of La La Land. <laughs> Just, just in case you'd forgotten. Yeah, just yeah. a visual insert shot. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. Um, what did you think of him bringing it up at the very top of the show? Oh, well, you couldn't not really. Yeah. Yeah. I did like Kimmel's line introducing Beatty and Dunaway and says, you know, on the 51st anniversary of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. yeah. It was good they got them back. I think that was a and, nice moment. And in fairness to them, because their legacy at this point, because they haven't really been yeah. in films, either of them, for a little while now. Warren had a film last well, year. Yeah, but come on. Was that Bullworth? <laughs> exactly. No. What movie was he? Rules in last don't year? apply. Ah, yeah. Like that film just came and went, but they yeah. haven't really been part of that cultural conversation for a while. And the only time they've entered the cultural conversation was because of a mishap. Which, in fairness, it was a bit hard to really lay the blame at either of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got that situation, and like they'd be forever tarred with that. But they're having come out. I think it's diluted that somewhat, mm. and so it's kind of not really a thing. Yeah, that's fair. Who's going to win next year? <laughs> Can we allow 24 hours before we start tipping next year, please? Although there was many references to Black Panther Black in the Panther. Uh, telecast. Yeah. 
in fairness, like, okay, look, I'm not the biggest fan of Black Panther. I think that for diversity, like, that's great. I think that it's given a platform and lots of people are emotionally connecting to it. But as a film, I think there's lots of problems with the structure of the film and some of the things that they're doing from... If it was any other film, I think people would have some issues with some of the Do stuff. Do you think it's better than Dunkirk? Oh, it's way better than Dunkirk. <laughs> well, then there you go. That's all you need. That's a good yeah, point. I know. That's Multiple all you need. Oscar nominees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, I'm just hoping that we don't get caught up in that too much. Like, people were talking about Wonder Woman as a Academy Award nomination. And the thing is, like, that film was perfectly fine. I had a great time at the cinema with it, but it's not really quite at that level. And I think people get caught up with having an emotional response to a movie and adding additional weight into it that the film isn't necessarily representative of. Enough. Sure, but I think on technical categories, I mean, I'd much uh, rather have seen yeah. visual effects nominee Wonder Woman than Kong Skull Island. I was I a bit I... surprised to see Kong mm. Skull Island because the effects in that were not particularly great. Mm. I found that to be kind of entertaining, that Kong Skull Island movie. John C. Riley is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, entertaining movie. I yeah. just think yeah. from a special effects standpoint, not that strong. I think that given the 90-year history of these awards um, and the self-congratulatory style of it, I think that if a movie captures the public imagination and has something new and exciting and people have an emotional response to it, that is Oscar-worthy. I think that Wonder Woman excited people in a way that a lot of these superhero movies hadn't at the time. And I would acknowledge, I would rather acknowledge that than something that is just going through, I mean, obviously everybody worked hard on it, but there's something like The Shape of Water, which is just kind of very, yes, this feels like an Oscar movie. You know what I mean? No, no, I agree with you entirely. I think that these awards should be nominating things that people actually get excited about seeing. Because mm. the Academy Awards, like, we've all seen the complaints about them for the last 20, 25 yeah. years. They're not really reflecting films that are exciting moviegoers. And a lot of people watch these Academy Awards and don't know most of the movies. Where you go back maybe, say, 30 years and see, like, uh, Silence of the Lambs mm. was up for Best Picture. Like, mm. that was a film that the everyday person went out and saw and appreciated and enjoyed. Like, now Miramax I'm going to be kind company woman because Silence of the Lambs is playing on SBS this coming Friday. Okay, taking my role as company yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, you're yeah. name-checking our own pro- um, projects. Good my, work, Dan. I'm all for it. And, like, I agree with you entirely, but your complaint earlier that we keep on just, the like, nominating these same films and it all feels tired, does that make them Oscar-worthy then? What? Oh, no, I'm saying, like, I feel that films should be more exciting, but has the actual Oscar-worthiness of something now meant that it has to be a little bit sort of trite and stale? Like, to be Oscar-worthy, do you need to be something that doesn't excite people? Typically. Because it's all just falling apart? Typically, it has to be um, it has to be a certain kind of movie, and it does have to be worthy in the in the general sense, and which is fine. I don't I don't mind that. I like, I like those movies, but I I would like to see the winners, some of the winners, be something that captures the cultural imagination in a more significant way. I suppose. Mm. And I I think the broadening up of the best picture category a few years back when they did bump it out to possibly 10 contenders. You know, that that was meant to sort of revitalise it a bit and include more. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was a pretty wide open field this year. It could have been a bit, but they well, still had was, one option to add another one in there. That but. was in the wake of The Dark Knight. Because remember the conversation there was that if there was, I think it was five was the required number at that point, but mm. if they made it wider, then something like The Dark Knight, which did have that cultural capital behind it, mm. a lot more people would probably be voting for The Dark Knight and be excited by that, thereby stimulating the TV audiences. Yeah. And if you look deep in thought. Well, it just seems like I, I just don't understand how we go how the same academy voted for Moonlight to beat La La Land, which is the mm. 
very typical Oscar-winning movie. Mm. And then the next year just does an about-face. I mean, I don't think that La La Land even was that traditional a film. Like, it's just because it was a musical and about while it Hollywood, definitely happened. About, I mean, how, about chasing your dreams. The people wouldn't shut up about chasing your dreams. All, <laughs> um, the whole show is unbelievable. I mean, it harkens back to sort of old school Hollywood, but I don't think it was really reflecting what we'd seen from the Academy Awards much in Movies recent times. are about dreams and are made for dreamers. How good was that montage? Oh, man. <laughs> and here's a hot dog. <laughs> and I also would like to go on record again by uh, being angry about... The Florida Project not being nominated. Yeah, noted. Outrageous. Seconded. Um, well, look, this has been real and at the risk of running the length of the Oscars, <laughs> maybe let's wrap it up. Let's go get some hot dogs. You can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. I'm at Nick Bassine. I'm at the Dan Barrett. And you can follow our work at SBS Movies on Facebook and Twitter. sbs.com.au slash the guide for TV coverage and sbs.com.au slash movies for movies coverage. If you want to email us, we're at film at sbs.com.au. And our producer is Jeremy Wilmot. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. 